0: Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays, and with me is Jay Jones. Good morning. How's it going? Good? Yeah. It's going all right. Yeah. I mean, we're uh, kind of dragging this morning, feeling oh, yeah. the effects of the uh, the time change. Yeah. <sighs> what kind of nonsense is this? Yeah. <laughs> Georgia was something funny I was gonna tell you,
1: and I just I've totally lost it. Really? Yeah. Maybe it'll come back for free for all Friday. <laughs> well. I'll have to hold on to it.
0: Here's hoping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you are you okay over there? Do, you need, <laughs> do you, <laughs> you need like an energy drink? I know. I'm good. I'm I'm
2: here.
0: <laughs> you know, it it just <laughs> seems to hit harder and harder every year. Yeah. It just takes longer and longer to adapt. Well we could move to Hawaii. Yeah. They don't do it there. Arizona. I think half of Indiana doesn't do it. And they're okay. They make it. I don't understand how that works. Half of the state does the time change. There's
1: there's an interesting story there, I'm
0: sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Whatever. Do we need it anymore? Do we need do we need this? Do we need the daylight savings time? I mean, we've got electricity. I don't know, man.
1: I can only think about one thing at a time right now. That's how <laughs> Uh Yeah. It's harder, I think, because you, when you have kids, you have more stuff to do. Yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. So you got to take care of all that stuff and everything else. And Definitely. Yep. So here we are.
0: got your bottle of water, but you don't, have your, you don't have your coffee.
1: No, I'm trying to. I told you I'm trying to. I'm going to drink less coffee,
0: more water. Yeah. You know,
1: I got I to gotta do it. I'm on it. I'm trying to lose weight. I'm okay. going to do it for real. I'm going hardcore.
0: You've been eating the salads?
1: I've been eating nothing.
0: You've been eating nothing?
1: Not nothing. I mean, I've hardly been eating anything. Okay. Yeah. I've been drinking tons of water, though.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. How's it going so far? So if I get
1: hungry, I just slam a bunch of water.
0: Okay. How's it going?
1: It's going good. Yeah. Yeah. I already feel better. I have more energy, which is weird. Oh, yeah. Drinking less coffee. I used to drink, and I would drink energy drinks, energy drinks mm-hmm. sometimes too. Less coffee le- and no energy drinks, mm-hmm. tons of water. Yeah. And then after like, I don't know, five days, it's weird. It's like your body's like, okay. And then it, you just get more energy.
0: Like This This is what it's supposed to be like. Yeah. Yeah, I found that um, I don't have to take naps like I used to. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would eat fast food and drink soda, and uh, I'd be done. I'd mm-hmm. be done in the afternoon. It was, you know, we sit at desk. Yeah. We'd, we're reading and studying. and <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> it's, yeah. And so it's, it's the perfect storm. Mm-hmm.
1: Special. Not a great, not a great uh, lifestyle. Gotta, gotta exercise, do something. Yeah. Gotta move around. I started doing that too. Every hour I'll get up, I'll walk around the whole church. Yeah. That's like a quarter mile. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, this church is so long, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah. But I'll just make it over this little hump and this time change. Yeah. I'll be feeling pretty good.
0: Okay. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, today is Text Driven Tuesday. Mm hmm. And uh, we are looking at John chapter 17 still. Um, Last week you started us in John 17 with Jesus' high priestly prayer, and we saw how Jesus begins his prayer by um, praying for himself, praying for his his glory, and we discussed what that meant. Uh, Today uh, we're going to be looking at the sermon that you preached on Sunday, which was verses six through Mm ten, and Jesus um, transitions from... Praying for himself to praying for his people. Yeah, and uh, so very. Um, I don't know. Controversial, maybe. I yes,
1: I think it is controversial. Yeah. I don't know why it's controversial. Right, right. Like so, if you're a Christian and you say, "Hey, I, I believe the Bible is actually God's word to us," right, it shouldn't be that controversial. At all, right? But it is very controversial,
0: right? Um, So we're we're going to be talking um, specifically about the doctrine of election Mm -hmm. um, in this passage. um, What what that means, um, and and how how it applies to our lives? Because I I think that when people hear you know the doctrine of election, they immediately think of Calvinism, and um, (laughs) maybe one of the most controversial topics in. The American church, yeah, is is Calvinism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the source of debates and fighting and even church splits. Um, I, I know that from personal experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's supposed to be for our encouragement, right? For our comfort. It's, yeah. it's not given so that we'll fight over it. It's given so that we'll we'll be able to persevere. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we definitely want to get into know the the um, you know the, the consequences of the doctrine of election right um, but I I also want to talk a little bit about it and you you didn't really address it in the sermon. there's only so much that you can address yeah how do non-calvinists interpret this? And so well <clears throat> maybe we could talk about that after we have you read it and yeah. uh, and we can get into it Does that okay sound like a yeah, yeah. sound like a, a plan. Yeah, because I as I was listening to you um, in your intro, um, I was trying to think. All right, how would I counter what Jay is saying? Mm-hmm. Like what what would someone who says I'm not a Calvinist, I, I my definition of election is is something different. How would I how would I understand this? So I don't know if you ran across any um, non Reformed commentaries or exegesis as you went through this i'm guessing you probably probably didn't hit too many no um no I be- didn't. because what we we've talked about this before the best commentaries are usually from reform guys usually yeah um so i i was i was just that was a question that came up while i was listening to your mm-hmm. your intro so I, I thought maybe we could maybe address it N- yeah not, we can not, try not in, not in super great detail um but you know there may be some people listening that that aren't um, you know fully convinced of the reformed position right um so maybe uh, maybe just address it a little bit okay okay
1: yeah, I can, we can do that
0: okay so so you uh you you preached on verses 6 through 10 so let's have you uh introduce it read read the passage and then we'll jump into talking about it
1: all right so uh, before I read it I'll just remind everyone the way that this prayer breaks down it's pretty clear Jesus prays for himself in verses 1 through 5, and then we can see clearly at verse 6 um, through 10, there's no petition here. Did you notice that? It's simply a description. Yeah. That's all it is. Right. It's, it's like, okay, he prays for himself. Verse 11, he makes a petition mm-hmm. to God on behalf of yeah. uh, people. Uh-huh. Um, 6 through 10 describes the people. Right. Right, So Jesus prays for himself. He describes who he's about to pray for. Mm-hmm. Then he starts to pray for these people, the okay. disciples, uh, or his people. That's And then that's verse 11. That takes you down to verse 11 through uh, 19. Then in 20, we're told, I don't ask for these only, meaning the the 11 right. that are left, uh, but for all those who will believe in me through their word. Mm-hmm. So the whole prayer he's telling you, applies to all Christians, Okay. Um, and then as we get into it today, we'll see in more in particular Mm. uh, how does he describe these people. Okay. So, okay, here's verses 6 through 10. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and
0: I am glorified in them. All right, I see you have a little uh, highlight there. A highlight there. Mm. almost as if you're trying to draw our <laughs> attention to it. <laughs>
1: I am praying for them.
0: Right. So these are the people that Jesus is
1: interceding. Yeah.
0: Um, I, you know, I like your intro um, because it, it gives us um, you know, kind of a, a down-to-earth understanding of what's going on. Um, you talked about how a father, we're both fathers and our children, mm-hmm. how we love our children. Um, but that's not to say, say that we don't love all the children in our church, right? Um, we we have a love for all the children in our church, but um, if we were to say we love all the children in the church in the exact way that we love our children, then that would um, that would be saying something about us. Right, but it also would be doing something to our children.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'd be traumatic and devastating. Mm-hmm. Cause tremendous amounts of insecurity. Yeah, there's nothing special about my father's love for me, mm-hmm. um, and that's how everybody thinks about God.
0: Yeah, there's this idea that God loves everyone.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, that's true, right? Right. Like we're not we're not saying that God doesn't love everyone. You preached um, what three. Three sermons on John three sixteen, probably yeah. I preached in that section. There was there was
1: quite a quite a lot.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so God God loves the world.
1: God's God is love, and so God's mm-hmm. natural disposition toward everything is love. Right. Um, and He loves the world. The world has fallen, and that's a mysterious thing. But um, we have to understand. Um. That God is not like us, He's incredibly complex. Right. Well, He's simple, He's simple, He's right. a simple <laughs> being. I don't, you know, <laughs> right. people out here reform people. Out here be like, this guy's a heretic, right? <laughs> of course, He's simple. What I mean by that is He is not a hum- He's not a human,
0: He does not consist of parts.
1: For instance, God has a revealed will and a secret will. I mm-hmm. think that's clear in Scripture, right? Uh, you and I can't do that. Yeah, uh, God's natural disposition of love. Toward everything, it's an overflow of who he is. Okay. It's natural to his nature. Yeah, um, he
0: is love.
1: He takes no delight in the destruction of the wicked. Mm-hmm. If you ever say he does, you've got a different God. Mm-hmm. He says he doesn't. Right, right. Um, he he just the fact that everything exists right now is a, I think, a, a result of his. Grace and His mercy to everyone in the world that's not deserving of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he causes it to rain on the just and the unjust alike. His natural disposition is love. However, you can't you can't smash His love down and flatten it out. And then uh, what what people do to God's love though is they say, "Oh, God just loves everyone all the same. Mm-hmm. Everyone are God's children." That right there is not true. Right. Um, the Bible is very particular who it refers to it as God's children, but they say everyone's God's children just because He created us, Right. and they flatten God's love out so it's like this uh, impersonal force, like gravity. I compare it to gravity. Mm-hmm. Everyone experiences gravity, and it was like everyone. Now, of course, everyone is loved by God, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it just becomes this impersonal thing, right? Where He loves everybody, mm-hmm. but He doesn't love anybody particular yeah. in, in a particular way, right? The way that a father would love a child, right? They said no. He just loves everybody all the same. Yeah. So, and I think that if you just take this prayer at face value, you can never come to that conclusion again.
0: Okay. All right. So um, he's praying. Well, he's describing the people that he's he's praying for.
1: Yeah, I mean, verse nine tells you just straight as I mean, I. I introduced kind of the, the sermon from verse 9. I am praying for them. Right. I am not praying for the world. So positive and negative. Yeah. To make it very clear. Mm-hmm. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world. Um, but for those whom you have given me. Yeah. For they're yours. Right. Uh, very clear. Mm-hmm. I'm praying for a particular
0: people. Right. So this has implications for uh, the doctrine of election. So um, God has chosen a people for himself. Right. right? That, that's the doctrine of election. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also has implications for the doctrine of uh, limited or definite atonement, um, because we're talking about Jesus praying a high priestly prayer. Yeah. Right? And uh, the high priest, he intercedes for the people. Mm-hmm. And so um, we would say that we've got Christ praying for a particular people, and then the next day he's going to go and die for those people, right? Right. So we wouldn't we wouldn't divide the work of the high priest. He he prays for a particular people, and then he goes and dies for everyone in general.
1: To think about this correctly, I mean, we'll get into it more uh, next week. We we'll, we'll talk about his uh, petition. What is his petition? Uh, is this first one for us? But you're thinking correctly. The high priest consecrates himself goes into the holy of holies and he bears the name of Israel literally on his chest right the breastplate piece right and he takes takes their names and he so he prays and then he makes a sacrifice for atonement um for the people of Israel. Yeah. He doesn't go in there and say, hey, for every Gentile nation by name, here's all these people. So he doesn't go, he doesn't pray for Israel by name, hey, I'm interceding for these people and making an atonement for everyone. For everyone all and the, in all the nations. No, he doesn't do that. Right. And so, and so Jesus, that's what's pictured here. Mm-hmm. And he's told
0: you what's coming. I lay down my life for the sheep. Right. Now already, that's super controversial. Um, I mean, we're talking about things that um, I don't think that the majority of the evangelical church in America would affirm. And we've got Jesus dies for everyone.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Um, and there are people that say that, that you can't even do evangelism unless you can tell someone Jesus died for you. And so what we're saying is, is going to be um, at odds with a lot of, of people who profess to be Christians. It's, it's at <clears throat> odds with almost every church in our town um, so yeah. I'm, I'm wondering... This is actually less
1: complex than people make it. All right. you have to do is ask the question, what did Jesus do on the cross? Right. That's it. Did he do something? Right. <laughs> when he said, it is finished, yeah. right. did he accomplish something? Was right. he being serious? If the answer is yes, and it is clearly yes, mm-hmm. what did he accomplish? Right. And so atonement for sin is the obvious answer. Right. And so now if you want to say Jesus died for everybody, your only option... To become a universalist, mm-hmm. or you can become a particularist. Let's make a word up particular redemption. I don't know, I
0: don't know. right? I don't know if definite that's a
1: word. atonement, particular right. redemption. Um, he died for his sheep, yeah. That's what he says, <laughs> right? I lay down my life for the sheep,
0: yeah. That's, I mean. So <laughs> I mean we're <laughs> why is that controversial? <laughs> right. I mean, we, we look at this and we're like it's, it's so obvious. Mm. Um, and yet there are many um, in well we'll just you know narrow it down to our denomination, Southern Baptist. I mean we're we're in the minority. Yeah. Um, so I'm 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 listening to you describe this and I'm I'm in agreement. This this is absolutely true. God mm. has a particular love. Why why would we we look at at humans and say humans have particular love for particular people? I I love my wife in a way that I don't love anybody else. I love my children in a way I don't love anyone else's children. I have a particular love, and we look at God and if we you, say, "Well, God can't do that." If you didn't do it, you'd it be you'd it be a monster. Be, you would be yeah, you'd be a monster. But we look at you know people look at God and they're like, "Well, God loves everybody." Where did I get my particular love for my wife? Mm-hmm. Is that somehow alien to god is that is that a foreign thing that god God doesn't do mm-hmm. um and so I'm thinking all right this this seems so obvious, so clear. How would someone who doesn't hold to this how would they interpret this? Did you, did you run across, you know, when we're, we're looking at verse 9, I'm, I'm praying for them, I'm not praying for the world. Did you run across anybody that said anything other than the Reformed?
1: Well, I already know what some will try to do, okay. what, which is a weird hybrid view. They'll say the disciples uh, were chosen. So they'll say, okay, God does choose people sometimes, Okay, but it's only to advance His plans. And so they'll say, Jesus here is praying for the 11. Of course he chose them. He t- we know he chose so them. So
0: God's not trying to advance his
1: plans through the church. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I, it's, I didn't say that it makes sense or right. know, it's consistent. <laughs> right. And it totally ignores uh, verse 20, which says, I do not ask for these only, right, but for those who will believe in me through their word. Okay. Jesus is praying in this prayer for every Christian yeah. throughout all time. Right. So you can't say this just applies to the 11 mm-hmm. um another thing that people might would do I suppose is grant you if they would work through it enough is to say well yeah I acknowledge you know that he's praying here for the elect for the people of God but um they uh, chose him first <laughs> that's kind of what <laughs> that's what they do right uh, yeah they say God looks down through the corridor of time and right. He sees a people who are going to respond to the gospel, uh, and He chooses them. And right, it's like retroactive election or something. I don't know. Yeah, uh,
0: very. They don't. They, very don't odd. Se- they don't seem to grasp the um, the problem that arises by saying God looks down the corridor of time and sees who right. chooses Him. God can't
1: learn anything, right? If God learns anything, He's not God, right? but they do not have a problem with the guest god.
0: He's he's not a god who sees into the future. Right. He's timeless. He's already there. Yeah. Um so he's not learning something. Uh, so it happens because he decrees it to happen.
2: Mhm.
0: So it's not there's not like a um these events that are separated from what god who god is and what god is doing. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um, so the big problem with looking down the corridor of time, he's he's not a fortune teller. <clears throat> the purpose of
1: this prayer is eliminated by any other view of election, mm-hmm. because if you are the initiator of your own <clears throat> salvation by your response or your something, yeah. right? Um, when the time comes in your life when you're filled with doubt or people begin to slip. And fall into sin, um, I don't see how they could have security because their coming was primarily them, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So they can naturally go away of their own right. doing as well. Right. And what we're gonna see as we work through this is the great security and and peace that it should be able to give you. I mean, Jesus praised this, so your joy may be may be full in Him is that you may feel like you cannot go on in life ever. You may come to that dark, the super dark place in your life, like many people uh, find themselves, but the one thing that will keep you going is that Jesus prayed for you. Mm. That's the whole point of this. That's the whole point of this prayer. Yeah. People take, they just extract it out of what happened to these disciples. Yeah. And just import this prayer into America, where we live so cozy. We're so cozy, but how about how about when um, they're walking Peter up to the cross to hang him and to be crucified, mm-hmm. or they're walking uh, Peter to the guillotine to have his head lopped off for entertainment, um, and they can escape by denying Christ. I mean, there are all kinds of things going on in their life. I mean, how how much doubt do you think? We think we think we think paul's a super christian which i mean he's a, he's a christian uh, he's done incredible things obviously more maybe more than anyone but do you really think he never had a doubt i i think probably if he's like you or i and he was susceptible to temptation there were times when he was uh starving of hunger i mean he's nearly starving to death in prison because you don't eat unless somebody feeds you mm-hmm. he's there on behalf of the gospel and it's happened over and over to him. His life, his life, his <laughs> life has only become one pain upon the next. Yeah. As far as this world's concerned, he's just experiencing suffering after suffering after suffering. And he's and he's obeying. You
0: don't think there was a time where he ever thought I can't do this anymore? I would have to assume that there was some kind of momentary yeah, doubt. Yeah,
1: I, I think all of the disciples probably experienced something like that. Yeah, like I, can I do this? And they're people. Yeah. And um I think because God had chosen them and and he had, he prayed for them in particular. Yeah. I think it's what caused them to persevere. Yeah. I don't see how if you thought <clears throat> this was you that chose God and that's why you were in this. Yeah. Um I don't see how this is that
0: comforting. Right. Um Yeah, it's um I, I think you're right um that this is this is supposed to give us encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um and uh you know I, I I bring it up just because I'm I I want to encourage people just take the Bible at face value. Don't don't try to do these gymnastics to make it sound um acceptable mm-hmm. to um, you know some kind of philosophy, or this is this is how I think God would act right um you know just just take it at face value and uh you ever heard that uh that old gospel song when he was on the cross, I was on his mind.
1: I think I have heard that
0: yeah um, well i mean non non reform non calvinists they take that and they act like that's some kind of comfort, like he was thinking about everybody. Right. Uh, but for the Christian who who really grasped this, that he's praying for them, that he's going to the cross for them, we actually can say in a particular way, not not in a general way, in a a particular way, he was thinking about us. Yeah. He, he was thinking about you. Mm-hmm. Um, you you were you were on his mind as he was hanging on the cross mm-hmm. because he prayed for you and he went to the cross for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that should be an encouragement. Yeah, and I, I don't find it to be as encouraging if if well he was he was thinking about Hitler also, you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> <You know>? Yeah,
1: <laughs> and and yeah, and it can't and it can't work. You only end up yeah. you can only end up becoming. If you want to be consistent, you've got to be a universalist, meaning mm-hmm. that in everyone's <clears throat> everyone's saved. Yeah, even people that reject Christ their whole life. Yeah, they say, "Oh, but but Christ did make atonement." Yeah, so everyone's saved. Or you can be consistent with what the Bible says: Christ did make atonement, and He told you who was going to do it for.
0: Well, there's a third option, and I, I think it's what the Armenians do: is that they redefine what Christ did on the cross. Right. Um, so we would hold the penal substitutionary atonement. Right. Um, they uh, an Arminian. I'm not talking about you know just a non-Calvinist what, uh. whatever they are in the in the mm-hmm. Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah. But an actual Arminian, um, they would hold to more of a governmental theory mm-hmm. of the atonement. They wouldn't hold the penal substitutionary atonement. Right. But I think that penal substitutionary atonement is the. It's not that it's not the there's there's other little you know. Other things that we could talk about, but the center of the cross is penal substitution yes um, so they they would redefine what Christ actually did on the cross yeah I think um, yeah. to get out of the, <laughs> the, nece- the necessary <laughs> the necessary consequence of right. um, penal substitutionary atonement is it's got to be definite yeah it, ha- it has to actually work it's not just hypothetical. So, all right. Well, I, 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 mean, we spent a lot of time on that, but I think that we want to help people to understand how to read their Bibles. This may be a long one, right? We want we <laughs> want them Sorry. to understand how to read their Bibles. Yeah. Um. Just, just take it at its face value. Just what did Jesus say? Right. He's not praying for the world. Think about that. Think about what that that means. Yeah. All right. So, three characteristics of the people of God. So that these are the descriptions. In verses six through ten, of who Christ is praying for, and so mm-hmm. your overarching theme is: here's the characteristics of these people. Yes, here's here's what they look like. Here's here's what we know about them mm-hmm. from this passage. Mm-hmm. So three characteristics. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, the Father gives them to Jesus. Yes. Uh, Jesus gives them eternal life, mm-hmm. and then because of those things, they turn around and they give to Jesus their trust and their allegiance. Yeah. Right uh so let's let's just look at this uh beginning in verse six, the Father gives them to Jesus now, this wasn't this wasn't um as linear walking through the passage right as usual you you jumped around a little bit because um I mean this is Jesus is praying mm-hmm. so it's not a Pauline. Right, <laughs> epistle. Uh-huh. Um, th- this is him praying. So you 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 take us back a little bit and you go forward a little bit and you're just bringing it all together. Yeah. Right. So the father gives them to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, you called this the golden chain of gift giving. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So That's, what does that what what's that mean that the father gives them to Jesus? Um. So the father has a people. This this is
1: undeniable mm-hmm. from the from the text. I mean, if you just look in your Bible, if you're watching or listening, just take time to look at it. So this is election, right? Yeah. Uh, this is election. Uh, John seventeen six. I have manifested your name to the people who you gave me out of the world. Uh, so right off the bat, uh, we see that this, I think that the election has to be unconditional Yeah. because these people are taken out of the world. Mm-hmm. They're not, it's not like there was a group of good people and a group of bad people. (laughs) God's like, I'll take the good ones and they'll be my people and then I'll give them to Jesus. There's only the bad people. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. You got the mass of fallen humanity. Yeah. And, and uh, he takes a people out of, which is why. That's what you should ask yourself. Right. It's, you shouldn't go, why didn't he do it for everybody? You should go, why did he do that at all?
0: Th- this is Romans 9, right? Yeah. From From one lump, mm-hmm. he he takes some for honorable use and some for dishonorable use. Is that?
1: Yeah. I mean, but the, the problem with the lump, we think the lump is neutral. Right. The lump isn't neutral. Right. The lump is fallen humanity. Mm-hmm. And that's what he takes, and... Um, he takes a people for himself out of that. This he sets his love on a people.
0: Do we have any theologians that are listening to the podcast, Jay? I don't know. Is this is this infralapsarianism? Is that I, what you're arguing for?
1: Uh you know, I don't I don't know. Um
0: I can't believe you didn't go into a discussion in the sermon between yeah. infra and supra lapsarianism.
1: That one may have to we may have to we may have to hold on that one. Yeah. Until uh like have a special episode, okay? The Lapsarian, <laughs> yeah, episode. the Lapsarians, and we'll just discuss all the options and see which one we think is most
0: consistent. Yeah, yeah. Um, That'll be a that that will get a lot of attention. Everyone's yeah. going to be people are going to be they're like, going to be waiting waiting heck? for that
1: one. What are these guys? What is this even? You know, t- they're going to like turn into zombies as they drive in their car, listening. right?
0: The- <laughs> We'll lose, we'll lose the handful of listeners we already have. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's taking, like you said, he's, they're not neutral. They're they're in rebellion. This is Ephesians chapter two, right? They're mm. dead in their sins and trespasses. They're following the course of the world, following the prince of the the power of the air. He, they're they're aligned with the devil. Like the,
1: the people that would say things like this bother me. Right? They say. Well, when did you become a Christian? Well, I've always been one. <laughs> right. What do you mean? Yeah. Well, I'm elect. Okay. <laughs> I was chosen before the foundation of the world. You know, and um,
0: that's another theological category: eternal justification.
1: Right. Right. And they're like that's hyper
0: Calvinism, right? Yeah.
1: And uh, but that's a, there's a problem. Right. You know, Ephesians doesn't describe us that right. way. It describes us as
0: a Jesus, not here. a Christian. Right. Jesus here. Yeah. Destroys yeah. that. Yeah. He, he take they're taken out of the world, <laughs> right? You're taken out of the world. The world in
1: John is not a negative word. It's all. It's a. It's or it's not a positive word. It's a yeah. negative word. Uh-huh.
2: That's Stans, not a neutral word either. It's... For
1: the, it stands for uh, humanity in rebellion to mm-hmm. God, right? And and he takes us out of the world. Why? Gee, why? why? That's why, that is why? the question. Why would that's he do the, that? That's
0: the big question. It's uh.
1: It's just grace. That's the only thing he can be. He, he tells us in Ephesians one three through six. Yeah. And of why he did it mm-hmm. it's because of the because of his purpose yeah because of his purposes in love he predestited so you could say love, but because of his purposes that's it that's the only reason because he wanted to to do that to do it to set yeah. his love on a people
0: i I think one of the um the biggest criticisms that I hear um Maybe not to my face, but just in general, when I I listen to um, you know debates, is this idea that um, God just arbitrarily chose people, right. right? He he just closed his eyes and pointed, right? Um, but that's not what Ephesians tells us. Is is that he he does it according to the counsel of his will? He yeah, do, he does it. He has a purpose. Mm-hmm. He just hasn't told us. What the purpose is, and that's not the same thing as as arbitrary right um that's that's demanding that God tell us something, yeah, and he doesn't have to tell us anything mm-hmm. um, and to say just because he doesn't tell us doesn't mean that he doesn't have a purpose, and it's an infinitely wise and good purpose.
1: Yeah, I mean you can get a a microcosm of this or just a picture of it. And Paul uses the illustration, Jacob, I loved, Esau, I hated. Mm-hmm. And uh and so you can apply this. Well, yeah. why? Why one and not the other? It doesn't make any sense. Right. And uh the answer is, well, God had a purpose. Yeah. And we we can see his purpose unfold in the Bible. Yeah. And who are we to say it could have been just the same if it was Esau? <laughs> right. We have no idea. It could have not been just the same if it was Esau. Right.
0: And God has a plan. He has a purpose.
1: He has a mm-hmm. plan. Yeah. And
0: um, it's so it's so that God's purpose of election will stand. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter nine. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's the that's the doctrine we see Jesus saying the Father has a people, He gives them to the Son. This is the doctrine of election. It's throughout the Bible. Mm-hmm. I, I like how you said in your intro that no one has a problem with election in the Old Testament. They
1: don't. Nobody does.
0: Like election is not a New Testament doctrine. Yeah. It's it's from it's from the very beginning yeah. to the, the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you could just go through the Old Testament and see how God chose certain people mm-hmm. and he left the rest outside of his his covenant. Yeah. Um so what how, how are we to to apply this? what What does this mean? It, it, is, is this just some kind of um, you know ivory tower doctrine? Uh, our church is just going to uh, be doomed to fight over this. What, who cares? If we don't know why, if we don't know the purposes, what 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 are we supposed to do with the doctrine of election? What are we supposed to do with the fact that the father has a people that he gives to the son? Does it mean anything? i think what we should understand is that um
1: he sets his love um on us when we were undeserving we need to first look at it like that before we look at anything else um instead of saying why these people why these people all this you should say well i am a sinner why did god set his love his redeeming love on me his special redeeming love on me and take me as his own because he he did from eternity past that's before the foundation of the world right he's chosen a people for himself they're like his treasured possession that's what's amazing about this yeah. his where his glorious inheritance um, and that's should be the one thing that you that it does is it humbles you you say well, I, I'm and part I was part of the world, and if I'm not part of the world and I'm a Christian and I find myself there, it's because I've been loved from eternity past, and God set His love on me, and um, He loves me like a father loves a child, mm-hmm. but infinitely better, <laughs> right? Because our love is flawed toward a ch- our children, right? but his love is not flawed. And so we don't have to play these, does God love me today because, or does he not love me because I didn't live up to some, uh, some standard that I've set for myself. Yeah. Like I, I've been a really good Christian this week. God probably loves me a lot. Oh, well, Hmm. you know, I was a, I wasn't a good parent. I was kind of mean to my kids this week. And, um, I didn't read my Bible and, and I didn't even feel like reading my Bible. And does God does God even love me? Am yeah. I performing up to his expectations? Right. Um <clears throat> we don't have to wonder that. Because he loved us in our fallen dead state and rescued us. Yeah.
0: He and, loved us before he spoke the world into existence. Yeah. That's um, I mean, that's a pretty massive thought. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, I mean, how could you live wondering if every day if God really loves you, as a as a Christian, right? right. Um,
0: it's not lot, and there's not a whole lot of security there. No, and it works. It, it, it all is.
1: depends on your works. It becomes another religion. Mm-hmm. It becomes it very quickly. We so easily slip into yeah. a performance based sal- salvation religion and that really any anything that's like that is is uh, is pa- is just paganism mm. that's how the pagan gods operate right you live up to some standard and the deity blesses you or give <laughs> or gives you grace it's not grace but he gives you blessings right uh, but god lavishes his love on the undeserving right and so he'll never stop yeah because he's taken people for himself and as we'll see, you know, this is—he's uh, got a plan for these people.
0: So this ought to um, to humble us, um, because we didn't do anything to earn this. Mm-hmm. We actually did everything we could to not to not earn it, to not deserve it. <clears throat> it's important to realize
1: he's given a, a people to himself from out of the world. John three nineteen says this about the world. Like we know, God loves the world. Right. And I said, God is the, he's the great gift giver in John. He gives his only son whom he loves to the world. Okay. So whoever would believe in him would not perish. I don't think we need to rewrite John three sixteen. Yeah. God gave his best gift. Right. To the world. And he calls everyone to the son so that they would have life and not perish. The problem is the world does not reciprocate that love. Right. Loves darkness. John three nineteen says that this is the judgment that light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. We have to realize: had God not set His love on us, John three nineteen would be our verse, mm. not John three sixteen. Yeah, it'd be John three nineteen. That would be us still loving darkness, still rejecting Christ. If not for God's set, God setting His love on
0: us. Mm um but this doctrine of election it's it's Christ centered mm-hmm. and that that's what your that's what your point was god gives these people to his son yep because he loves his son yep that's right
1: the, it's pretty amazing to think about this that uh the way the way it's discussed here <clears throat> i think the only good visual for this is a marriage right so we're like the bride in this sense or the daughter and we have daughters. Great. And any every every father like has a has a special love for their for their daughter. I'm not saying that that you love your daughter more than you love your son. I it, don't know,
0: Jay. It is different. Have you though. met have you met my sons?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it it's weird because right, you're um it's just a different relationship. Yeah. But we say she has her her dad wrapped around her finger for a reason, <laughs>
0: right? Because
1: yeah. you know we have this this person, and we love them with all our heart. But we know all along, right? Eventually, I've mm-hmm. got to give her away, right? So that's always there. Yep. From the time they're little. So uh, here's in the patriarchy, the, pa- the the feminists they they have to hate this. I mean, like this is just a hated <laughs> doctrine. But it's yeah. not it's not a Or doctrine, it's just a reality. Yeah. Why is it a bad thing for a girl to be so loved by her father, like that he won't just give her to any man? Right. How is that bad? Right. The a father loves his daughter so much, she has all of his heart, he can't love her any anymore. And he's not gonna give her away till he finds a man that loves her the same way. Yeah you don't just give your daughter away right you find a man who loves her the same way you love her yeah and that's the picture we see here mm. he he's got a son um Jesus is the eternal son and he loves these people yeah the same way the father does mm. and the father gives him away gives us a way to him
0: and I think this also speaks to God's glorious purposes for his people mm-hmm. because he loves his son and he's not going to give his son garbage right right like he's he means to transform us mm-hmm. um into the image of Christ yeah like th- this is the I think this is the hope of our final our final state um is the fact that. God is; He loves His Son, and He's giving to His Son a gift that is um, worthy of Him. Mm-hmm. Is that
1: well? Well, we don't see it that way yet. Yeah, yeah. You a, can, if of you course. want to, fast forward to the end of Revelation. Right. You can see this beautiful bride, right? And we are—we're the bride that's made herself and dressed in white mm-hmm. and is pure. Yeah. Um, the church is very flawed today, right? And God. God is still sanctifying us, and this work isn't complete until, until the end. But, but we we
0: need to look forward to that hope mm-hmm. because we we attend a flawed church, mm-hmm. and there are, I'm sure there are people that um, go to churches that can be frustrating at times, discouraging. I mean, maybe there's pastors listening, and they're they're discouraged by the church that they go to. Um, we need to have that that future outlook. Yeah. God is going to accomplish His purposes for His people, mm-hmm. and the reason He does that is because He loves His Son. Yeah, and so He's going to He's going to purify and glorify these people mm-hmm. that's um, right. because that's that's what the Son deserves. Yeah, He deserves a a, a bride that is adorned in in beauty and radiance, yes. and that's what we see at the end. Mm-hmm. And so we can't just have this momentary view of the church. Well, who are these people? That's right. <laughs> well, these people are are those who have been redeemed and they're going to be glorified.
1: Yes, yeah, is Christ's bride. Right. Right? Yeah. So, so so you know, you don't if if you want to be friends with me, what you're not going to do is right, like badmouth my wife, right, in front of me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Christ has a bride. Mhm. And we should we
0: should love we should love his bride. Right. You know? We love the church. Yeah. Right. We love the church. All right. So the Father gives these people to Jesus, but Jesus also gives something to the people. Yep. Right. Yeah. And so he gives to them eternal life. Yes. That's what we see next, right?
1: Yeah. Jesus, he gives to his people eternal life. Um, And if you go back in your text, you can see it. You You have to back up. I didn't read it today, but it's in the beginning of the prayer. Jesus has been given authority and what's his authority he's been given authority over all flesh that's mm-hmm. all humanity right. to give eternal life to all that you have given him
0: yeah so this is what it means that Jesus has been given authority over all flesh uh-huh. it's it's a purpose statement it's it's not um it's maybe not as clear in the ESV it's in order that mm-hmm. he might give eternal life to those whom the father has given to him
1: yeah so, at its very most basic and foundational element, I don't know Christianity and Christians. Um, we are recipients of that which we could never attain. We cannot attain eternal life. Um, it's given freely. Christ gives it to us, um, and we can never escape that. We can't. We can't. Revert into this workspace thing, where, but it's it's done so easily, right? right? Um, It's a it's a natural default position to look at, but it's so clear, it's given as a gift. It's something Jesus does to us. Mm. Um, Jesus' words in this prayer, you know, they completely reorient our way of thinking away from ourselves. We easily fall back into this internal. A way of looking at ourselves and evaluating, um, and and what that does is it causes it'll either cause an incredible amount of distress and insecurity, or you'll become the most prideful, arrogant person walking mm. around the planet, like yeah. a like a Pharisee, right? Right? They they keep all the law, don't they? They they're so good at keeping the law, they think mm-hmm. they think they are, and they're not like commoners. <laughs> right, or sinners. Jesus eats with sinners. Okay. We're not sinners uh, when they are, mm-hmm. but that's only that can happen. You're either going to end up in tremendous despair, which I know you've run into tons of people like that, um, because you're so introspected, introspective in your in your view, and you've kind of fallen into a workspace view of salvation on accident, or you just become really prideful mm-hmm. and like I'm not like other people. I'm especially not like non-Christians, right? Yeah. Um, But Jesus giving you eternal life totally pulls you away from that and keeps you focused on
0: on God. Okay. And again, this is supposed to be a source of encouragement Mm -hmm. um, because it's not based upon anything that we've done that Jesus gives us eternal life um the the security is in the very adjective that's that's used to describe the life right yeah. it's it's eternal life right it's not um conditioned on how you're performing right it's this unmerited gift that lasts forever yeah and so um he doesn't take it away
1: that should solve the question can you lose your salvation you would think there's by the name so. eternal life. Right. <laughs> right. Right. It's called eternal life, meaning yeah. it doesn't end. And,
0: and like we talked about last last week, this eternal life, it starts the moment you believe. Yeah. The moment that Christ opens your eyes to to show yes. you um, himself. Right. That um that eternal life, it starts. And so it's not something yeah. that's that's waiting for us um, you know, after we die. Mm-hmm. It begins now and then it stretches on into forever.
1: Right. Yeah. You don't have to wait till you die to get your eternal life if you're yeah. a Christian. God right. Christ gave it to you. Yeah. And you have it now.
0: And and so you can't lose it. Yeah. And not you, the, can't and lose you it. so
1: you don't you don't need to fear death. Right. You shouldn't be afraid of death like like people that aren't Christians are.
0: And, and you shouldn't doubt Christ's love for you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, to doubt that he loves you um when you sin. Yeah. Um, because he's given you eternal life. Mm-hmm. Um he gave it to you when you didn't deserve it.
1: Yeah. I mean it, I mean it's all through John, you know. Uh if you go back and you just look how closely these terms are in the same passages, you know there's the great passage everybody loves that Jesus says my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Right? They yeah. love it. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Right. And then my father, who has given them to me, yeah, it's there, right? It's greater than all, no one will snatch them out of his hand. Yeah, um, I give them eternal life, my father has given them to me. They're together all through John's gospel.
0: Yeah, all right, Good. So, um, we're running a little long. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to, uh, to talk a little bit about verse six. Okay, um, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about this a little bit <clears throat> when you were uh, trying to figure out exactly what this meant. I think this is one of those phrases that people, they they just kind of sweep over it. They don't stop and think, all right, what's this, what's this mean? I have manifested your name. Yeah. Well, there was, <clears throat> there was a lot of kind of neat
1: stuff that I found in the Old Testament, but we can't go into all that today. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe sometime we'll... We'll talk about Christ in the Old Testament and do it, but uh, you know theologians know God's name is the is kind of the essence of his being <clears throat> yeah of who he is, and there are several different names there are a lot of them in the Old Testament that describe his being or who he is yeah um and so sometimes uh I think we we might initially go, well, Jesus is revealing the Father we know that if anyone has seen me has seen the Father right. Um, and he reveals what God is like, which is all true. Yeah, it's all true. And uh, but there's something I think even more, I don't know more special, but different that maybe is in view. <clears throat> Jesus manifests the Father or his name in that he is the the incarnation of the second person of the Trinity. So when they are with Christ, They are with the Son. They're with the eternal Son. If there is an eternal Son, what does that mean? There has to be an eternal Father. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what's revealed. Okay. And why it's special is because the disciples, when they ask Jesus, how do we pray? He doesn't say, hey, say El Shaddai. Mm -hmm. Say Jehovah Jireh. Or say Yahweh, yeah. or say uh, Lord Almighty, or Most Sovereign of the Universe mm-hmm. and the Cosmos. Yeah, it's very personal. He says, "Say our Father," mm. and only He can reveal that. Yeah, He's the Eternal Son, right? And He reveals an Eternal Father. Yeah, and we're brought into that. We're brought into that privilege, that relationship. Yeah. It's not a theoretical thing. We're made a child of God mm-hmm. by Christ. He's our Father, right? Not we're not like secondhand children either. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christ is our brother. Yeah, yeah. We have the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. I didn't get into this. If you want to think about security, yeah, the Father's been eternally happy. I am well pleased. That's mm-hmm. what he says about Jesus over right. and over. Right with His Son. Well, what do you think he is of you now, that you have the righteousness of Christ? Right. Yeah. He's eternally happy with you.
0: Yeah. That's that's um, that's a massive truth that, that I think a lot of Christians fail to grasp, is that God is pleased with you. Um, we get so hung up on total depravity, which is, uh, I think, just clear throughout the Scriptures, um, that apart from Christ, we are... Separated from God, and we are at um, war with Him mm-hmm. in, in all of our parts. Right. But because of Christ, Christ has given us eternal life. Christ has, um, the, the, the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to us, it has been given to us. We're, we're clothed in His righteousness. And now God sees the righteousness of Christ mm-hmm. when He looks at us, and He is well pleased. Right. And so the the things that you do, um, they 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 do actually please God, mm-hmm. and that should be a massive encouragement to people because so many times we think, "Am hey, my, my service to God?" It just doesn't add up. Right? It's just it's pitiful. Right? It, it's weak. God is well pleased with your acts of worship and your acts of service. Because of Christ right, and uh you you should take great comfort mm-hmm. in that, yeah that that should that should get you out of bed in the morning, yeah that right. should um yeah. it, it should fuel your your good works,
1: yeah, you have a father, and this is important for for those that maybe maybe you don't have a father or you have a bad father, yeah, I even said, you know I think I'm a pretty good father, yeah my my kids do see I mean they see all of my flaws right. Um, so if I sin they see me ask forgiveness and repent so I'm a even even a good father's lot I had a great father yeah the best that you could ever ask for. I'm sure you're a great father um, but we pale in comparison to the one who is father yeah we're only in a father in so much as we are like God mm-hmm. yeah. He's a perfect Father. And so even people that have never had a father or they've had bad fathers, they, I think, intrinsically know what they are missing yeah. or what they wish they yeah. had, and God is that yeah. completely. right. He is a perfect... He, his, love, his love is perfect. His consistency is perfect. He's not going to change and stop loving you. Yeah. He, he provides you security and comfort. Mm. And he, his, lav- his, he lav- and he will lavish all the blessings of the universe on his children in the new world. Yeah. And,
0: and even his discipline is... Loving. It's loving. It's wise. It's good. hmm Right? Okay, let's look at this last point really quickly. Um, yeah. The The people of God give their trust and allegiance to Jesus. So based on what God has done, he's given the people to Jesus, Jesus has given eternal life to those people, and now those people, they turn around and they give something back. Right. Um, they're, they're not left apathetic. They're <clears> not left <throat> unchanged. They turn around and they give trust and allegiance to Jesus, and this is um, the, the, the main point I want to bring out of this, because I think that um, people ask this question all the time. All right, we've been talking about election. God has elected a people and given them to the Son. The Son has given those people, the elect, eternal life. How can I know that I'm one of the elect?
1: All right. Yeah, because we're out of time. We'll make it very simple. Okay. All right. I'm sitting in a chair right now, and so are you. Yeah. Um, How do I know that I trust this chair? I'm sitting in it. (laughs) Uh, And that's what belief is in the Bible. Belief is not just intellectual. There may be a, a cultural problem with how we interpret the word, yeah. but the word is maybe better translated as trust, okay. right? You don't invest yourself right. in something you don't trust, Right? you don't drive across a bridge if you think it's going to break when you drive across it and you're going to plummet to your death, right? I'm in this chair because I trust it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if if you trust Christ, then you're one of the elect. Right. That's that easy. And yeah. if you it's you it's you're trusting him with what is most precious. Mm-hmm. Your your whole eternity. You're banking all of your eternity on the fact that he said he died for sinners and you know you're a sinner and you're believing he died for your sins. Yeah. And he says, "I'll keep you. I'll never stop loving you. I'll raise you from the dead on the last day if you are resting in that" And trusting in what he said, in the person of Christ and who he is, his work on the cross, you are a Christian.
0: Yeah, I was reminded of um, a Spurgeon quote when you were talking about that. And um, he said, Upon a life I did not live, upon a death I did not die, I risk my whole eternity on the resurrection. Yeah. I, I'm trusting my future, my eternal, my eternal life is resting on Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's important for us to to remind people that you can know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: like election is not this this hypothetical or this esoteric thing that well, you know, uh, I'll find out, I guess i I don't know uh, that's another criticism uh, of our view is you, you can't know but but Peter says in in second Peter chapter one verse 10, um, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can know that you are one of the elect, but the the way in which you know it is, are you trusting Christ? Yeah. And are you obeying? Uh, yeah,
1: and the invitation is open uh-huh. to anyone who would come to Christ. Right. Jesus gives all of these these open invitations to for sinners to come to Him, and I think we should, as Christians, issue the same type of invitation. Right. Um I think we're not like Jesus if we don't. Right. And so people might say, well, you know, you said if you're trusting, if you trust Jesus, if you have faith in him and you trust him, yeah. you're one of the elect. Yeah. Well, I don't trust him, and I want to trust him, but I don't, and so I maybe I'm not one of the elect. Should You know, what do I do? Right. Spurgeon, he said something about it like this. He said, uh, if you're standing uh, in, uh, up in the, like the second or third story and the building's on fire... And the flames are closing in all around you, you know. And we're down here with a one of those things that you you know you could jump onto, a little trampoline thing. Yeah, we're down here to catch you. Yeah, and we say, jump into Christ and be saved. And you say, well, how do I know I'm one of the elect? And we <laughs> right. say, don't worry about that right yeah. now. You're about to die. Right. And jump into Christ, and you'll be saved. Yeah. So
0: so jump into Christ. Believe Christ. Yeah, the doctrine of election—it's not meant for um, this morbid introspection mm-hmm. before you are a Christian. Right. Um, the 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 question that's put to people before they are believers is not well. Make sure you are one of the elect before you, you know, do anything else. But that's that's not that's not it. Election is not the the question. the The question is, are you going to trust in Christ? Yes. And that, like you said, that invitation is is open. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who's thirsty, come and drink. Yeah, come and drink um, without without cost. Yes, there, Christ is, He's dead for sinners. He He's died for sinners. Mm-hmm. Are you a sinner? Do you Do you see the glory of this Christ? Do you want this Christ? Then come. Mm-hmm. There's that's the only thing that's holding you back is yourself. That's right. it's your own unbelief. God holds no one back from his son. Yeah. Anyone who Christ, doesn't come... Christ isn't saying, come to me, and then he's got his hand out like, don't come to me. Anyone who doesn't
1: come to Christ
0: does not come uh-huh.
1: because they love something else right.
0: more than Christ. And, and so the, the, the invitation, it, it's, it's been echoing down for 2,000 years. All who, all who are, are weary and heavy laden, come to Christ, mm-hmm. and he'll give you rest. Um, and if you will trust in Christ, you can have that assurance that you are one of the elect. Yeah. Um, but but if you are trusting in Christ, if if you're you're claiming to be one of the elect, then the 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 uh, you know Second Peter chapter one verse ten is telling us to confirm your election, and mm-hmm. and we talked about that when we we discussed that passage yeah. uh, several weeks ago. Is is that you do that through your obedience? Yeah. And so if you if you are uh, claiming to be a Christian, but you're not. You've got to follow Christ. You got to follow Christ, yeah. and if you're not, there's there's not that comfort in. Yeah. Well, I'm you know I'm one of you the elects. So. You don't get
2: to
1: have the benefits of Christ uh-huh. and then not follow Him. Right. Like that's his whole thing. Count the cost. Yeah. He's gonna... he's
0: Savior, but he's also Lord. Yeah. You
1: you become a disciple. Right. You become like him. Yeah. You follow his commands
0: and you try and, his, and if you fail
1: then you get up and try again
0: right and his commands they're not burdensome mm-hmm. right it's a it's a joy to follow after the Christ who laid down his life for sinners yeah and he he gave us eternal life and so we follow him that's right right okay well uh, good good sermon jay i would uh, commend it to you to go back and uh, and listen to this sermon and and i hope that uh, it will be an encouragement to you I, I hope that you see that the the doctrine of election it's not this um, just this this issue that is supposed to stir up debate and controversy and and fighting within churches, it's meant for your comfort. It's meant for your joy, um, as we see what God has done for His people and in, in giving a people to His Son, and His Son giving them eternal life. And we turn around and we live for Jesus. Um, This is for your joy and for your good. And uh, God's purpose is that you might be conformed to Christ. And so that is our aim. And we hope that uh, this has helped you. And we will see you next time.